morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing together this old Christmas hymn. Favorite joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let's worship today. solemnness and sacredness of this moment, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would let us hear from heaven, and Lord, experience your presence in this place. We will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray, and the people of God together said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning just for a few moments. This time we're going to, uh, here in just a moment, segue into our kids program. I know there's a couple of folks that are... Uh, Still, I think, trying to get their way here this morning. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and knock out some of our announcements now so that the kids can go to their Christmas party because that's all they've been waiting for is their Christmas party. Nothing else matters to them but cookies and pizza and, and, and God. God's a good one. That's a good one to have as well, um, you know, but mainly cookies and, uh, and things like that. So... Uh, just want to uh, make uh, a couple things. Just this week, remember that Christmas Eve service is on Saturday at uh, 5 p.m. Christmas Day service is at 11. <clears throat> Due to uh, the uh, schedule this week, so what we're going to do 
to help you out. Some of you guys have baking and other things to do. So we're going to move midweek service to be Christmas Eve service. And the reason that is, is there's a lot of folks that have asked about being here for Sunday, then being here on Wednesday, and then having to come back Saturday, and back on Sunday, and with that being the Christmas week. So we're going to give you the opportunity, if you want to come to midweek, we're going to have it at 5 o'clock on Wednesday, after, I mean, excuse me, at 5 o'clock on Saturday uh, for the Christmas Eve service to let some of these people get their uh, Christmas stuff done and their baking done and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, we'll go from there in terms of that. But please be mindful, if you're not able to attend, just know that we will be streaming it live, so you will be able to go back and at least uh, correspond and see uh, the service as it uh, transpires. So, that being said, I do have a couple uh, just things I want to um, uh, go over uh, th this morning with you. Um, Brother Randy will be coming shortly to lead us in uh, scripture and uh, prayer. Uh, let me say, uh, before the kids come, I do want to make a couple presentations. Uh, for most people, uh, this may not mean much to them, uh, but uh, it does mean a lot. We have a lot of people that makes uh, what we do here uh, special. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. Uh, I couldn't do it without them, and we certainly know uh, that. And so we're going to just honor a couple of these folks. Um, I'm going to ask them once they uh, come, if they would just stand right here uh, until everyone is called, and then we'll uh, honor them all at one time. Uh, we want to honor Sister Brenda Burbage for all her work with flowers and the band and everything she does. I'm just going to have her stand Grant, if you'll come help me, I'm just going to let you hand these out as I uh, call their names. Uh, Sister Sandy Burks helps with our children's ministry and cleaning the church, making mm. sure that it stays uh, looking festive and looking as beautiful as it can. Sister Jeannie works with our kids and our youth. I'm going to ask her to come and get hers as uh, well. She helps tremendously with uh, all of those things. She's the one that's got this fence set up for us today. Uh, Madison helps with our media department on Sundays and uh, keeping us rolling for special events. If she would come, uh, Brother Stan and Sister Brenda are not here. They are out of town, uh, but they help with all of our Christian education and all of the stuff with that. Uh, Brother Marion and Sister Sherry, I know he, I thought he's still here. He might still be here. Is Brother Marion still here? Yes, he is. He's got scripture and prayer today. I'm sorry. I've got the wrong person today, but I'm going to give it to them. You can give it to Miss Sherry. She's the one that will probably spend it. Um, uh, Brother Dennis and Sister Dale, I won't make Sister Dale walk all the way up here, but Brother Dennis um, and uh, Sister Dale are part of our, uh, if you'll take that to her, I'm sorry, um, Brother Brother Dennis won't spend it either, it'll be Sister Dale that uses it. Um, Brother Mike, I'm going to ask him to come, he is a part of our band, uh, if he'll stand here. Brother Tyler and Sister Carmen would normally be here, but... You know, they have this thing called a newborn baby that they're worried about right now. Uh, Brother Larry and Sister Jennifer Wyatt, uh, they, she helps with the Lady Circle. She also helps handle all of the um, stuff that you see with decorations and keeping our church beautiful. Uh, Brandon and Tana, I thought I saw Tana a while ago, they work with our media department and sound and keeping it rolling. Um, Sister Ann had to slip out today, but she's over all our um, food and hospitality those type of things, and Brother Randy and Sister Carol, I'm not going to make Miss Carol come, but Brother Randy, if you'll come, uh, and uh, though Miss Carol will probably be the one to spend it too, uh, I should have given all the ladies to there, but these are some of the folks, just a few, 
of the fine folks uh, that help make all the behind the scenes work work. And so could we just give them a very uh, big hand of appreciation today. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Um, at this time, I'm going to turn it to Sister Jennifer Wyatt, and immediately following that, we will uh, give it to um, Sister Jeannie and Miss Sandy and the kids department. Uh, don't go anywhere. Uh, Brianna, Sister Brianna, come on. The uh, church could not function without a loving pastor and his spouse. On behalf of the Lady Circle, we just want you to know that we love you. We appreciate you, and we are so glad you are a part of us. This is for you. You're welcome. And for all of his hard work and his dedication, and he does more than any bunny rabbit that I know as far as energy. Uh, we love you and want you to have that, and if you give it to Brianna, that's your fault. So... <laughs> I just I just want this coffee card. Oh, the coffee, no, yeah. Coffee her. card. That is That's it. So, well, God bless you. Thank you. This time I'm going to let Miss Jeannie and her team come and share what they have planned for today. Word. Peace on earth, the men of goodwill. May you this Christmas become a little child again and enter into his kingdom.
Can we give our kids one other special hand today? Oh. This time we're going to um, go ahead and have you get ready to do our tithes and offerings this morning. I'm going to ask the ushers if they would come this morning. And uh, we'll immediately following this, we'll go right into uh, a time of letting the kids get out of here during our meet and greet. And then those leading scripture and prayer will immediately follow that. And then we'll move right along with service today. So while they're do, uh, moving that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you and we glorify your name. We thank you, Father, today that we are in your house. We thank you that we have the opportunity to let our kids be a part of this special time of the year and celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we will forever give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 This time would you come and bring... Uh, during our meet and greet sec sec session, and then those leading scripture and prayer will immediately follow right after that. God bless you this morning.
As you make your way back to your seats this morning, we're going to ask those leading scripture and prayer this time that they'll come. And immediately following that, we'll have our Brother Randy coming to lead us uh, in a selection this morning. God bless. Good to be in God's house. <clears throat> those children could have sang a little bit more. It was good. Um, my scripture today is from um, John chapter 1. 14 through 18. The Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was Him of whom I spoke. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for He is and was before me. And of His fullness have we received grace for grace. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Praise the Lord. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. Again, I'm thankful always for this season. But I'm thankful all year long for what Christ is doing and continues to do in my life. So let us praise him. Give him honor and glory. Father, again, we thank you always for your love and your mercies. Father, we praise you for all that you do and all that you're doing. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to bless your people, continue to bless this church. And, Father, I pray, Lord, that our hearts, Lord, will reach out and bless others. Again, we're thankful, Lord, for all that you do in Christ's name.
chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression will cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise, we let all within us praise his holy declared this morning. The Bible tells us that when shepherds were in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, the angel of the Lord appeared and he told them to go tell everybody that Jesus Christ was born today. So today we want to declare, decree and declare that today. Go tell it on the mountain. So let's sing it together.
One of the greatest gifts that we could ever give the Lord is the fact that we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. This might be a newer song to you, but this song literally says, I bring an offering of worship to my King. The song's called a Christmas offering. Nothing better can we give the Lord than ourselves today, this Christmas season. So let's sing it together. of the Lord this morning. 
Is that not true today that the best gift we could ever give Jesus is our hearts and our lives? I'm going to ask you if you would so kindly to go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Book of Luke, chapter number 2. Let me say to you today while you're turning, there are quite a few folks today that, some that are here, but some that are not here due to sickness. Everybody, I think, at this time of the year is battling something, whether it's a cold, a sinus infection, crud, whatever word you want to call it. But uh, we have quite a few that are out today for various reasons. Brother Storm is out today. He is sick, um, not feeling well. That's where he and his family are today. Uh, the Craven family are traveling to Tennessee for the holidays, so they are out of town traveling and just the, the list is exhaustive, if you will, of needs that are present. But, you know, we're here. And um, we might as well just enjoy being in the presence of the Lord. We know where some of them are. We know where Brother Tyler and Sister Carmen and others are, are with the baby. But we're here, and that doesn't change the merit of what Christmas is all about, what we're here to do. And I heard this morning when I was uh, trying to finish up some things in my office uh, Brother Marion was talking to his Sunday school class and I heard him make this statement and, uh, and he's got it right, he said you know there's nothing wrong with, when we're talking about this Advent season that we've been in, there's nothing wrong with lights, there's nothing wrong with, I like lights, I like inflatables, I like floats, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but if we're not careful we'll get caught up in what all the sights of Christmas are, rather than what Christmas is all about. The sights and sound of Christmas nowadays is jubilant, it's joyous, it's, you know, celebrations, but yet, in reality, the first Christmas was like that too. It was joyous, it was jubilant, it was a celebration, it was a day to, if you will, to celebrate the coming of the Lord, and what He represented. We've been studying that. As you well know, in the series we've been, the eventful Christmas, we talked about the, the four stages, or started talking about the four themes or stages of the Advent season. Today we're going to pick up number three. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of the Word of God today. Right. A very familiar passage of Scripture. In fact, if you're a Bible highlighter, we just were in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 last week. So we're just continuing down the chapter here. We're just going down the road. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Be not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. That has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. 
when they came with haste, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made known widely the saying which was told them concerning this child. Basically, after they left, they couldn't help to tell somebody about what they just saw. They had seen Jesus. For a few moments today, I just want to talk to you on this. This joy that I have. Now, there's an old song that has a tagline at the end of it that says, This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your word. Strengthen me and hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Let me preach the message you have given my spirit today to share with the body. Father, I pray that you would speak to the hearts and lives that are online as well as in this house. Let us not just be hearers of the word, but doers of it there likewise. Take a coal from the altar of heaven. Anoint these lips of humanity and let me preach your word, not my word. And Father, everything that we do, let us not just be hearers but doers and take this word and go forth and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to this lost and dying world. We will forever, Lord, commit this service into the loving arms of Christ Jesus our Lord. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you can this morning. We're continuing our series with the idea of Advent. We've talked about the first themes. We've talked about, we've talked about hope. We've talked about love, a baby's love. Today we're going to talk about the joy of the Lord. And the reality of it is these Advent season that we have talked about, you notice that in the Advent there are three purple candles. They represent prayer. Repentance and sacrifice. However, on the four themes of Advent, on the third Sunday of Advent season, it is called Godet Sunday. And the candle turns not purple, but it turns into a pink or a rose-colored candle. Very specific. It is what we call the shepherd's candle. The first candle we had was, we talked about, was the candle of hope or the prophet's candle. The second candle we talked about last week was Mary's candle or the Bethlehem candle. But the third week, this rose-colored candle represents what we call the shepherd's candle. It represents the joy that is found in the Christmas story. Typically, those that adhere to the strict ritual of Advent oftentimes go on a season of fasting similar to that of Lent during the Christmas season. They will give up something for the, the season of Advent, if you will. However, on Gadet Sunday, or the Sunday known as the Shepherd Sunday, or the Sunday of Joy, that one Sunday, those same people will take a break, if you will, and that word Gadet, or the Gadet, literally means praise or rejoicing. And what they will do on that Sunday is they don't fast. They pig out. I mean, they just go to town. They eat all the ice cream they want. They eat all the little Debbie cakes they want. They eat all of the sweets. They drink all the coffee. I mean, they they binge eat that Sunday because Monday it goes back to their spiritual diet again. 
So they take this time and they celebrate. And the point behind it is, is they celebrate with friends and family on that third Sunday of Advent to recognize that we're over halfway through and we're almost to the finish line of Jesus coming as the babe. And so they celebrate. As we continue to approach Christmas Day, our joy continues to grow more and more. This third candle takes us back to the joyful anticipation of the shepherds who journeyed to see Jesus in Bethlehem, even before that of the wise men. It was meant to remind us the joy that the world should have experienced at Jesus' birth, as well as the joy that those of us who have been faithful and just have experienced because of that birth. Today's message and the text in which we read will take us to a quiet Judean hillside, most likely in the late fall or possibly early spring time of the year. Shepherds were in the field. They were watching, protecting their sheep. Oftentimes they would travel with other shepherds for companionship to not be lonely because the sheep obviously are not very good companions. And they would take turns doing what was called the night watch. During the night watch, typically they would find a, a grassy area or a cave or somewhere that they could put the sheep in kind of a, a, a pen of sorts and keep them secure. And the shepherd would lay at the opening of that cave or that area so that the sheep couldn't get out of the fold. But if they traveled in packs, they would all stay in the big hillside and and, and they would take turns throughout the night staying watch, keeping an eye for predators and potential prey. It was a quiet night. It might have even been a lonely night. No doubt a couple shepherds are sitting out on this Judean hillside. No doubt maybe having a conversation in the darkness of the night. Maybe with the glow of a campfire, with the fire embers burning. Maybe they sat there and talked about their travels that day. Maybe they sat there and talked about the journey it took to get to the grassy hillside. Maybe they talked about one of the sheep that was misbehaving and, and not cooperating properly and had to be reined in with the shepherd's hook, if you will, to jerk it back from impending danger. I, I don't know the conversation that may have been on that night. But what I do know is the conversation was getting ready to take a different turn in a matter of a blink of an eye. It doesn't matter what the conversation may or may not have been. What was about to happen was something great, something wonderful, something marvelous, something exciting. You see, they were getting ready to realize they were in the same country as the Christ child. Still today, it is a great thing a wonderful thing, a marvelous thing, an exciting thing for us to still experience the presence of Jesus Christ. His love is so amazing. His grace is ever abounding. His mercy is never ending. It is something to be said that even in 2022 there is something to be said still about the joy and the wonderful experience it is to have a living active relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord. There's something to be said about that today. You see, there were many folks in that countryside. I mean, 
They were merchants of Bethlehem. They were people that had money. Maybe they were in some kind of rotary club meeting. I don't know. But there were money people in town. They had money. There were Roman officers. There were Roman soldiers. There were Pharisees and Sadducees that represented the church of the day. There were priests that administered service to God in the temple. There were devout Jews looking and waiting with anticipation for the Messiah to arrive. All of these people were there too. But none of them got the heralded news announced to them quite like the shepherds. You see, God chose to make headline news by making his major announcement not on Twitter, not on a TikTok video, not on a Fox News, a CNN. God did not make headline news with the Berkeley newspaper, the Berkeley Independent, or the Somerville Journal scene, or the whatever news. God didn't put it in the Post and Courier front page. God did not make his major announcement like so many of us today expect major announcements to come. Everybody tunes in. Everybody gets on Facebook Live. Everybody gets on Twitter. Everybody watches the news. Fox News, CNN, NBC, CNBC. They're all tuning in for this major announcement. God didn't do it that way. He didn't call all the news outlets and papers and say, Hey, tomorrow I've got a breaking story you need to hear. No. God chose to make headlines by finding some lowly shepherds on a hillside outside of town. Now you talk about making CNN and the New York Times and the National Choir upset. Nothing makes a journalist or a media member upset when somebody else breaks the story and they don't get to. It is, you can see it all the time in politics, you can see it all the time in world events. Nothing is more, everybody's trying to jump the gun. Sources have let me know that such and such is getting ready to happen. And other people are tweeting out, oh, well, my sources say, everybody wants to be the one to break the news, to get that notoriety. But in this story, it wasn't the upper echelon of town. It wasn't the nobility of town. It wasn't those that had the most money in town. It wasn't those that had the most prestige or their hands in the pockets of the who's who of the day. It was just general, average people on the backside of a hillside minding their business, just being faithful what God had called them to do. Sometimes God's not looking for the biggest, the best, the baddest, the greatest. He's just looking for faithful people to do what he needs them to do and share the news of Jesus Christ. So today, I want to talk about this joy that I have. The old song says it like this, and I did this illustration one time in a different location when I was doing a, a, a teaching seminar uh, about something totally unrelated, but I was talking about how the things of our lives we allow the things of this world to change the perception of who we are. And if we're not careful, we will allow the world to rob us of that which God has promised us. Don't, don't misunderstand what I just said. There are times in our lives that we will allow the world to rob us of the things God promised us. And so... 
This was the illustration I gave to them. Simply put like this. The song says, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Well, we all know that. That's a very nice, catchy tune. But what I did in this seminar is I started changing the verses. I said, what if you put this job that I have? Would your perception change? This job that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This job that I have, the world didn't give it to me. This job that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it and the world can't take it away. You say, well, Pastor, the, the boss could fire me. Yeah, but if God puts you there, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. If you don't believe it, ask people like Brother Marion James and others who wouldn't follow the protocols of the day because of their personal convictions and their spiritual, but he's still working. In fact, he's got to work Christmas weekend to tell him that God can't make a way when there seems to be no way. I know he don't want to have to work Christmas, but God will make a way if there seems to be no other way. I said, start changing the words. This spouse that I have, the world didn't give it to me. It might make you think better about your spouse if you sang that sometime. This spouse that I have, the world didn't give it to me. Might have been her daddy, but you probably thought twice about it. But this spouse that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. What if you started thinking that way about church? Oh, preacher. Before we start talking about joy, let's just go ahead and get all of it out of here before we get all, I'm going to rob you of your joy before I tell you about your joy. This church that we have, the world didn't give it to me. This church that we have, the world didn't give it to me. This church that we have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. How do you know, preacher? Because the Bible said that Jesus said, but he will come back for a remnant. Now, it may not be a mega church, and there may not be thousands of people in the church, but he's coming back for a bride that is adorned without spot nor wrinkle or blemish. God's coming back for a people, whether we want to be a part of it or not. God is coming back for a people and called his church. So, well, let's take it a step further. These kids that I have, oh God, the world didn't give them to me because if they did, we'd send them back sometimes. Come on, preacher. These kids that I have, the world didn't give it to me. These kids that I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. Let me go just one step further. The mother-in-law that I have, the world didn't give it to me. I was a glutton for punishment. The mother-in-law that I have. See, the point to be made is when we start looking at things as spiritual eyes on them, some things the world ain't going to take away, you gave it away. And sometimes the things we say, well, I got robbed of my joy. No, no, you didn't get robbed of it. You gave it away. Because your joy is not in necessarily the job. It's not in the spouse. It's not in the church. Yes, I know I just gave you the illustration, but the joy comes from the Lord. So when you get it from the Lord, you will have a job that the Lord gave to you. You will have a spouse that the Lord gave to you. You will have kids. How blessed is the man that has a kid that has a bunch of kids. How happy is the man that has a quiver full of them. You will look at it differently. It's not about what the world gave or takes away. It's about what God gave in a manger, in a Bethlehem stable. And the world can't take him away from us today God can't the world can't take Jesus away he's already come and he's coming again and they can't do nothing to stop it they can't stop him can't stop him whether or not it's kind of like a good game of hide and go seek ready or not he is coming whether you may not be hidden you know people try to hide their sins they try to hide what they're doing 
the game of hide and go seek is when you get to the, whatever the said number is, count to 20. When they say 19, 20, the phrase is ready or not, whether you're hiding or whether or not I'm coming. Can I tell you, we are so close to God saying, ready or not, I've given you plenty of time to get it right. Ready or not, here I come. And one day a trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the clouds of glory. So shall we ever be changed with the Lord. Ready or not, we can like it or not, Jesus is coming again. He will come again. He's coming. The reality of it is, when we start looking at things from a spiritual eye, it will change the perception of what we see in our physical eyes. Because the reality of it is, too many people do put their trust in their job or their spouse or their kids or whatever. But until you get it right with God, until you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength, until you and God get it right, you'll be miserable in whatever you do. Your job will eventually have you disgruntled. If you have the joy of the Lord, you'll, you'll know that God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And even if he has to open up another door or move me out of here, so he can. When your spouse is just unrelenting and you just can't seem to find the light of day, you have the joy of the Lord, you can ask God to help you see things in different perspectives and work through those things and those challenges and other things. The reality of it is the world would say, well, just get rid of the spouse. Just get rid of the job. Just get rid of the... They tell you to just get rid of... A lot of people are miserable in this world not because, not because the world took their joy, but because we gave it away. The only way the world can take something you have is if you gave it to them, metaphorically. I'm not talking about your car or something out your house. I'm talking about if you let somebody rob you of your peace, don't worry, the world will take your peace of mind. You want somebody to break your heart, don't worry, somebody will be glad to do that at some point. You want somebody to, to, to rob you of your joy or to rob you of your hope, don't you worry, they will. But if you commit it to Jesus... The Bible says the things that we commit and entrust into his care, that he never gets lost. They're in the palm of his hand and there's nothing going to take him out of the hand of God. Nothing. Nothing. So let me quickly this morning share with you the type of joy that we can experience, the joy that I have. See, for these shepherds, they had a job. I'm not talking about a physical job. I'm not saying the, I'm not talking about the joy of the Lord. I'm not. I'm not talking about you working at Honeywell or you working at People's Finance or you working for the church or you working for you know, Ecolab or for wherever you may work. I'm not talking about that, your job. I'm talking about the spiritual calling God has placed on every one of our lives. Because the Bible tells us that when we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ, we are given an assignment. We just finished a whole series entitled Assignments just a couple of weeks back. We have an assignment. And Brother James, when I give my heart to Jesus Christ, my marching orders are made explicitly clear by my commanding officer. Because the Bible says as soon as I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ, my CO, my commanding officer says this, Now go ye therefore into all nations, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end. Baptize them, disciple them. You go tell others of what I have done. That's your marching orders. That's the command of God. God gave us a command, a job to do. People say all the time, well, Pastor, I'm, 
I'm retired and I, you know, I, don't, I don't have a job anymore. You may not physically work and you might draw Social Security or you might have some kind of retirement pension that's coming in. But as long as you still have breath in the body, the Bible says I'll praise Him in the morning, I'll praise Him in the afternoon, I'll praise Him in the evening. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Until your last breath, your fleeting breath is taken from your mortal body, there's still a job to do. There's a soul to be won. There's a child disciple there's a spouse to pray for there's kids to pray for there's the, there's grandchildren to pray for there's a co-worker to minister to as long as God still has you on this earth God still has an assignment for you to fulfill on this earth and the shepherds they were humble men no doubt there were many great men I'm sure even wealthy men that lived in Palestine of the day scholars of profound learning there was even a group of people called aesthetics. They would grow out at different times of the year out into the desert for months at a time and just pray and isolate themselves seeking the voice of God. They were called ascetics. Yet the angels did not appear to any of those folks. No one heard the music of heaven's finest ensemble and choir except some lowly shepherds on a Judean hillside. You see, these men were dirty. In that day, shepherds didn't get to go just take a bath every day. They lived in the fields. They were dirty. No bath. Can I tell you, before Jesus came into our lives, we were dirty. <laughs> we were sinners. As Jonathan Edwards so eloquently preached in the title track of his sermon, one of the greatest sermons he ever preached, we were sinners in the hands of an angry God. But oh, thanks be unto Jesus, as, his, as the rest of that sermon that Jonathan Edwards preached, oh, thanks be to Jesus, that he had mercy and grace and though we were sinners in the hands of an angry God he was a God that was more gracious and merciful than he was angry and he sent his only begotten son of the father full of grace and truth to die on an old rugged cross so that you and I may have life and have it more abundantly can I tell you just like those shepherds before we met Jesus we were dirty we were isolated we didn't know our from the beginning from the end we knew nothing and we didn't have the water if you will to cleanse us but just like those shepherds when they heard the angelic choir it changed something in their heart can I tell you the day that I heard about Jesus and I gave my heart to Jesus I was no longer dirty but there was a washing of water by the word of God and I was a new creation all things passed away and behold all things became ever so clear why because when I met Jesus he changed my life when you met Jesus he changed your life and this world needs Jesus to change their life as well they need him they were poor they were considered slave level or at best very poverty the Bible teaches us that I was a wretched man vile in transgressions I was poor spiritually I had nothing to offer God that could even closely remotely come to purchasing anything God has to offer the Bible said he traded my poverty. See, the shepherds didn't get to come like the wise men presenting gold and frankincense and myrrh and expensive gifts. The shepherds brought a different gift. I just sang it with the praise team just a few minutes ago. Over the sky of Bethlehem there stood a star that sang to lowly shepherds. What can I bring to him? I'll bring an offering of worship to the king. I may not be able 
to put $1,000 in the church checking account today. You may not be able to put $1,000 in the church checking account today. You may not have those. If you do, praise God. And, and if you're holding out, go ahead and put it. We, we'd love to have it. But you may not be able to financially do some major con contribution. Maybe you're not skilled like you used to be in a job. Hands on. See, these shepherds didn't have a big checkbook, a big wallet. Before I knew Jesus, I didn't have anything to offer him. But when I met Jesus, I didn't have a big checkbook at the time to give him. You may not have had a big checkbook to give him. But when I met Jesus, we all could have gave him the same thing the shepherds did. Worship. God doesn't want your gold, your money. Yes, the church operates with money. But God doesn't need your money. The Bible says God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't think God's broke. He'll figure out how to pay the bill. You don't have to sell every chicken dinner known to man. God will provide for his church. Listen, I'm not here knocking people who sell chicken dinners, but I'm going to tell you, for over 13 and a half years, I observed God in my childhood take a church of nine people with $139,000 worth of debt. I watched God in a little over 18 months have that church pretty much almost completely debt-free, paid off, no chicken dinner, still sold. I watched God literally grow the church Watch God then let them build a church, let God pay the church, let God build a family life center, let God pay off the family life center, and yet we still haven't sold a chicken dinner to date for that church to be where it is today. Now the point about that is I'm not here bragging. If the other churches need to do that, God bless them. Nobody's, I'm not knocking what people have to do. I'm telling you though, God doesn't need us to figure it out sometimes. He knows how to figure it out himself. When I met Jesus, I didn't have anything to offer him except come to him and say, but God, all I know to give you is me. And you know what he said? That's all I wanted. I don't want the gold. I don't want the silver. Hey, if you bring your talents, that's great. All I wanted all along was you. That's all I wanted. It's the job. Why did the shepherds get to be chosen to hear the news? Well, I thought of a few things that might have caused that. Number one. They never were bothered by the disturbance of noise around them because they were always isolated in a field. So God didn't have to interrupt a major CNN headline news, put it on a jumbotron in Times Square. Because in Times New York, in New York City, you got to put it on the jumbotron because it's so noisy you wouldn't hear the person talking to you beside you if the angels showed up. But when you're on the outside of the town, outside of the city where all the hustle and bustle and the noise is not there, it gets real quiet in the country, doesn't it, y'all? Some of y'all live in the country, y'all know. You go in the main town, you hear beeping our horns, honking, people talking. You go out to cross, you, you can hear the people talking three streets over. It's so quiet, you hear the neighbors across the pond. It's dead out there, it's quiet. They ain't cell phone service, very little. It's like, uh, it's like Ichabod, it's like forgotten territory, it's just out there. It's just kind of like Lodabar, it's just one of those places. It's quiet. You don't have to get a megaphone to talk to somebody in the yard and cross. <laughs> you can talk normal. You can almost whisper and they hear you because there's not the noise of the hustle and bustle and the sounds and the, and the busy. Sometimes in life we allow things to get so busy and the hustle and the bustle and the sights and the sound and the Christmas and we get too busy that we don't shut ourselves off and just be quiet long enough to hear him in the quietness of the moment. Sometimes God's not wanting to scream it. He wants to whisper it to our heart. They weren't vexed by ambition. Material possessions didn't matter to them. 
boy, if the world kind of bought into that philosophy, we weren't always trying to one-up somebody or trying to get more stuff, but everything we got, we tried to just bless other people instead. It is more blessed to give, the Bible said, than to receive. In fact, it will be pressed down, shaken together, and your vats or your bosom will run over. God says you won't outgive him. He'll just keep giving you more for everything you give away. See, it speaks volumes about Christ. It wasn't the wealthy God was looking for. It wasn't the educated God is looking for. It is not the successful God is looking for. It's not even the church leaders God is looking for. He's just looking for people, men and women, who are faithful to just do what he called them to do and will just shut themselves away from the world, away from the noise, long enough for them and him to have a conversation Our greatest desires in our lives should not be centered on getting stuff on this side of heaven, but our greatest desire should be laying up treasures in heaven where neither moth, rust, or thieves cannot break in, steal, or decay. It should be laying it up in heaven, not on earth. But then there's the opportunity. The Bible tells that the shepherds were sorely afraid. Who wouldn't be? <laughs> Sitting in the pitch black dark and then all of a sudden some person randomly appears out in the shadows. You'd probably freak out too. Let's just go out to cross and stand in the middle field and let, don't let me tell you somebody's coming. Let them come up behind you and say, hey, how you doing? See what you do. After you go change your clothes, you know why. I don't have to tell you. You know why you changed them. You're going to come back and you're going to have some questions. Don't you ever come up to me like that again. The shepherds weren't... In the pitch black dark, they weren't waiting for a booming voice to say, Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing today? They weren't waiting for that. They didn't normally talk to people. They had sheep. They didn't carry on intelligent conversations very often. They were afraid. It was dark, maybe even as dark as the midnight hour. But can I tell you that even in the darkest points of our lives, that's when the light of Christ shines the brightest? They could see the light of the angelic host because it was dark enough in their life that the light made a difference. Can I tell you that when we were in sin, our lives were so dark that Jesus, the light of the world, the light of all lights, he, how the Bible says that we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Boy, his light changes things when he turns it on in the dark, doesn't it? It illuminates and shines in the middle of chaos. Heaven sent its best praise and worship team, the most beautiful of harmonies ever heard was sung. It wasn't magical. It wasn't a dream. It was certainly out of the norm. And these men knew their lives would never be the same again. I thought of the very famous movie. I'm almost finished. I thought of a very famous movie and book that many of you may know and probably many of you probably think it's like my life's autobiography that I wrote. The book was by the great theologian, Dr. Seuss, who wrote this book called How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now many of you think that I'm that person because I despise your Hallmark movie watching, but for all of you that are Hallmark movie connoisseurs, let it be on record on this day, December the 18th, that for the next week I firmly support your initiative to watch any Hallmark movie you want to for as many times as you want to. After that point, don't ever watch them again until next year. But I'm giving you a week of grace and mercy. Enjoy them. 
Don't watch one next Sunday morning. We have church. Record it. Then go home and watch it. But you can watch it till next week. I give it. But in this great story, the theme of the book is about the vile and, if you will, the nefarious, no good doings of this character called the Grinch. He sees the citizens of Whoville celebrating and he goes and tries to rob them of their joy of Christmas. Steals their presents, steals everything. He's wanting to make, he wants to see them upset, lose their joy. He stands at the top of a mountain looking down into the valley of the Whoville and he notices they're still celebrating. Though the Christmas gifts are gone, though he took everything, they sang, they laughed, they played together. They still had the joy of Christmas, showing goodwill to each other. In that moment, the story says that the heart of the Grinch began to change. It literally grew three times the size that day. He winds up going back down there, returning all the gifts, and even joins in the festivities because he learned something that literally changed his life. Joy is not what you have. It's what you give. Now for all of you that think I'm a Grinch, look at what God did to my heart. I'm sharing with you today the joy of the Lord. The shepherds in that Judean hillside likewise. Isn't it ironic that God is described as our shepherd and we're the sheep of his pasture and yet he announced it to shepherds who were watching sheep? <laughs> kind of coincidental there, isn't it? These men were not in the synagogue or church like most people do today. You know, they weren't even allowed to be witnesses or testify in a court case because they were considered not to be reputable men. Yet God trusted them with the greatest of all testimonies to share with the world. They couldn't, they couldn't be trusted in court, but they could be trusted with the gospel. Think about that for a minute. Isn't it interesting in 1 Samuel chapter, six, chapter 16, Samuel was sent to the house of a man by the name of Jesse to anoint a king. He bypasses seven qualified young strapping gentleman he asked the proverbial question do you not have any more sons and you remember what Jesse said yeah I have one but where was he in a field watching sheep isn't it interesting they send for him and as he comes across the tops of the hillside running down the Bible says the Lord spoke to Samuel and said that that is the man David interesting God's looking for people who are just humble of heart if you remain faithful to where God has you now, God will and can use you to do even greater things you ever thought possible in your life. Miss Carol, as you come. So we have a job to do. We have an extreme opportunity. But you know what joy is all about? It's about a yearning in your heart. You know what Christmas is all about? It brings joy. It just There's something about your heart, just like that Grinch, something about the heart. These men had seen an incredible encounter of angelic proportions and the Bible said it caused a stirring in their heart. They couldn't get it out there. They couldn't get The angels left and the Bible said, they immediately said to each other, we have got to go find out what this is all about. They, they had sheep. I don't know if y'all ever know, sheep don't get in a hurry. <laughs> they kind of just take their time. That'd be a good lesson on church people sometimes. But, you know, we won't go there today because we're talking about the joy of the Lord. So, Sheep don't get in a hurry. It seems like they abandoned their sheep, or so it appears. 
You see, we can all labor all we want to in this life, but we will never find rest until we find it at the feet of Jesus. The shepherds had worked all their lives, but something changed when they knelt in front of a manger at the feet of a little baby. Their world was forever changed. You see, they seemed to forget the reality around them because of the excitement that lied ahead of them. Can I tell you, sometimes this Christmas season, it would behoove us to forget about the realities of what we see around us and remember the joy that was brought to us that Christmas morning. I wonder what happened to the sheep. I wonder where they went. I wonder what they told their boss. I don't know. Maybe that's a question God will let me ask them when I get to heaven. God's gift was made very clear though. It was an all-inclusive gift. It was for everybody. No matter who you are. Isn't it interesting? The king of all kings was not born in a palace, but in a tiny village in stable. He was not born with plenty, but born into poverty. He wasn't born into a life of ease and luxury, but into a life of long trials and hardships and temptation. You know why? Because Jesus would not be able to say that in all like manner he had been tempted and faced everything we faced if he had never done them. He did that so that he could make his message all-inclusive. Whosoever will, no matter who you are, let him come. The glory of heaven reached shepherds. No doubt others were in the night, but they never heard the angelic chorus. It's interesting to me that the word of God is full of paradoxes. The living word, Jesus, his story as the babe incarnate is full of paradoxes. The rich are poor, but the poor are rich. That's in the Bible. Blessed are the poor in spirit, but they're rich, for such is the kingdom of heaven. The rich are poor, the poor are rich. Children lead, the powerful become powerless, the powerless are mighty. The king of the ages comes as a helpless baby, the palace becomes a manger. A child is born, but a king is in a barn. The victory cry is a whimper from a small baby. The creator of the universe trusts his care to an innocent adolescent girl. Maybe, just maybe, it takes a paradox to explain the unexplainable profound message of Christmas. It's almost impossible to wrap our minds around, but isn't that what makes God so special? He specializes in that which is impossible and makes it possible. So in conclusion, I share with you this today. During this Christmas season, remember that the things that seem ordinary may not be ordinary at all. The things that seem impossible may not be possible, may not actually be impossible after all. Nothing can compare to the joyous time of the year that we call Christmas. From caroling, happy greetings, shoppies, parties, marshmallows for roasting, cookies, treats, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year. But for us in the body of Christ, it's not the most wonderful time of the year because of the parties for hostings, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in snow. 
But for us, it's the most wonderful time of the year because it commemorates the joy that Jesus brings. The greatest of all joys is found in Jesus. The shepherd's candle that we have represented today is the joy found in the form of a babe incarnate. As we embark, as we embark this week on Christmas, let us not lose sight of the wonder of all wonders. Because of Him, this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. And guess what? Bow your heads with me, if you will. Those joining online, God bless you today. I want to ask this. I always ask if anyone wants to give their heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe they don't know the Lord and Savior as their personal Lord and Savior of their heart. 